This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, everybody, happy Friday and a happy Halloween to all of you. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Friday afternoon heading into the weekend, um, finishing off one of the uh, most um, earth-shattering weeks really in National Hockey League history off the ice. Um, the entire hockey world continues to uh, reel from the um, well, the revelations in the uh, in the report with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and just since we've been on the air yesterday, so much has happened. Joel Quenville, no longer the head coach of the Florida Panthers. And just in the last couple hours, the National Hockey League announcing that there will be no discipline for Winnipeg Jets, Executive Vice President and General Manager Kevin Sheveldayoff, who was the assistant GM of the Chicago Blackhawks back in 2010. We're going to get to all of this. There was a hockey game last night as well. Big win for the Winnipeg Jets. Eric Comrie getting his first win of the season in his first start. We will talk about that as well. Um, we're going to hear as well from a number of the Winnipeg Jets um, who spoke after we were on the air yesterday, uh, including Coach Paul Maurice, Captain Blake Wheeler, and Josh Morrissey on their reactions to the uh, the uh, the Kyle Beach interview, um, which, of course, was done with Rick Westhead a couple days ago, uh, aired on TSN. Uh, before we get going, do want to thank all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, including Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, and, of course, Not Auto Corp., Nick and Nicky DQ, our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada and Canadian Club, the official whiskey of WST and the Bombers. And we will have, I guess, a Halloween edition of a marble race with another great Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie, along with CC, our collab coming up at the end of the program. Um, let's get Michael Remus in here. Murata Tesh coming up a little bit later on to discuss all of the big stories in and around the Winnipeg Jets. Remo, what's good? How you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm kind of just like still, you know, processing all the news that seems to be changing uh, all, you know, constantly. I played hockey last night and I got off the ice to a number of texts. Like, did you see, uh, you know, the get Batman Sabre Quenville? I'm like, I just got off the ice. I haven't been paying attention. So I've been been doing that um, this morning. I am, you know, aside from that, I'm, I guess I'm doing okay. Looking forward to the weekend. Got some nice latest CFL games, another late Jets game. Um. Yes. Yeah. So listen. Um. We're gonna talk a lot about Kevin Sheveldayoff's situation, the Winnipeg Jets, what we've learned today. Um. But before we get to Chevy, let's go back to last night. Um. Because of course we and again we'll get to the Jets' reaction from the uh, the the Kyle Beach interview as well. Um. Uh, coming up before we talk to Marat. But coming out of yesterday's program, a lot of information, hearing what the Jets had to say, West Coast, they're preparing for their game. And as the evening got going, um, we got word on the future of of uh, Joel Quenville. And I believe it was Kevin Weeks. That was certainly the first person I saw that tweet out that it sounds like Quenville is out. And shortly thereafterwards, there was an incredibly strong statement from NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman on the resignation. I'll read some of that for you. The NHL agrees with the decision tonight by Joel Quenville to resign his duties as head coach of the Panthers. In his former role as Blackhawks head coach, Mr. Quenville was among several former members of the club's senior leadership group. 
mishandled the 2010 sexual assault claim by former player Kyle Beach against the club's then-video coach Brad Aldrich. And following a meeting with Mr. Quenville that took place this afternoon in my office, all parties agreed that it was no longer appropriate that he continue to serve as Florida's head coach. Uh, I admire Kyle Beach for his courage in coming forward. I'm appalled he was so poorly supported on making his initial claim and in the 11 years since, and I'm sorry for all he has endured. We thank the Panthers organization for working with us to ensure that a thorough process was followed. Giving the result, there is no need for any further action by the NHL regarding Mr. Quenville at this time. However, should he wish to re-enter the league in some capacity in the future, I will require a meeting with him in advance in order to determine the appropriate conditions under which new employment might take place. Um, This was a a very strong statement, and it is quite clear that if Quenville wasn't planning on resigning, the NHL probably would have taken control out of it. And Remo, I don't know about you. I spent the game, like I was reading this, of course, reacting to it in real time. Uh, And when I saw how heavy the language was used by the commissioner when it came to Quenville, um, to be honest, I really thought that Kevin Sheveldayoff was probably done. Um, and, and, And it goes past what, you know, the NHL said today with their ruling. It just seemed like, you know, they were so focused on moving past this um, and, you know, and not dealing with anybody that was part of that group and that meeting um, that I thought it was really bad news for Kevin Sheveldayoff. So I will admit, I was surprised today uh, when the word came out that there would be no di- discipline whatsoever for Sheveldayoff. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but it really did sort of seem like, you know, the, uh, the decision on Quenville um, was made probably before Quenville even got in there. And, you know, he's a very central figure in this. Uh, a lot of people have said Kevin Sheveldayoff was in the room. He's the same as everybody else. I think it's quite clear for the National Hockey League and certainly in the report um, that there were levels of this. And the fact that Sheveldayoff, by all accounts, was honest and upfront, both with his superiors, including Mark Chipman and True North, as well as the National Hockey League, he's been able to keep his job. Now, We'll get to what we've heard from the Winnipeg Jets. And obviously we haven't heard from Mark Chipman. We haven't heard from Kevin Sheveldayoff themselves. I would imagine that is going to happen at some point. And to be honest, it's going to have to happen because um, this city, this fan base, I think supporters, sponsors of the hockey club, um, you know, have been feeling this as well. And I don't think there's any way that they'll just get a statement from the National Hockey League and the statement that we'll read in a minute that the team's put out and just sort of go back to business as usual. It's very clear that this, what has come out of this report uh, and the subsequent interview with Rick Westhead by Kyle Beach um, is going to have long and lasting effects for the game, for the organizations that were involved, certainly the organization in Chicago, now the Florida Panthers, and to some extent the Winnipeg Jets, although it has worked out uh, a little bit differently. And as of right now, Kevin Sheveldayoff is not being disciplined. It certainly does seem like he has the support of Mark Chipman and True North Sports and Entertainment. Um, But all that being said, there still is not only an explanation about his role that I think will need to happen to placate some people that have major questions for it, uh, but also a lot more than came out in the statement that the Jets released just two paragraphs a little while ago. Yeah, we can get to that statement shortly. Uh, Back to Joel Quenville. I mean, he he, was, I don't want to say he was quoted because it was, you know, 10 years ago and you know how accurate can those things be, but it was Stan Bowman speaking out about Quenville who, 
you know, didn't want to interrupt team chemistry, put, you know, winning over everything. And you know, I was listening to Frank Cervelli's DFO rundown. He was saying how he talked to another NHL head coach who said, how, how close, you know, does an NHL head coach work with a video coach? And it's pretty much the guy responded to pretty much every day. And for Quenville to know details and still continue to work with uh, Brad Aldridge, it's pretty it's pretty sick and pretty disappointing to hear. So after seeing this, I was under the impression that, you know, just from a PR perspective, the NHL would be like, look, if you were part of this meeting, um, we can't, you can't be a part of our league anymore. This is not, not acceptable behavior. I do, I do agree with some of the, with the stuff that they put in. I mean, according to the the report, it appeared that Shovel Dayoff, you know, had limited knowledge, had limited input in the meeting. However, he was there. He was the assistant GM at the time. And do you do you still want to have him in charge in charge of a team? So I was, I mean, I was surprised, but apparently maybe it's this isn't the end. Well, I, I'd like to hear more from him. You know, all we've heard right now, Hus, is these carefully worded, um, lawyered uh, statements. And I mean, it's I well, think you know what. And listen, yeah. before we get to the statement that the Jets have just put mm-hmm. out from Shovel Dayoff, which is the only thing we've really had since um, you know the initial two statements that have came out that have been somewhat. Um, well, certainly picked over. Uh, and I think we all agree that, you know, there was some uh, major legalese in all of this. But this is what the National Hockey League released as it pertains to Shevel Dayoff. And it is a very, very different tone and story than we heard about Joel Quenville. Um, this is the, the the message from the National Hockey League. Um, you know, after meeting in person today with Kevin Shevel Dayoff, NHL has concluded that he was not responsible for the improper decisions made by the Blackhawks related to the Brad Aldrich matter in 2010. While decisions resulted in the club's delayed and inadequate response to report of a serious inappropriate conduct between Aldrich and Blackhawks prospect Kyle Beach. Here's the quote. While on some level, it would be easiest to paint everybody with any association to this terrible matter with the same broad brush, I believe that fundamental fairness requires a more in-depth analysis of the role of each person, said Commissioner Bettman. Kevin Cheveldayoff was not a member of the Blackhawks senior leadership team in 2010, and I cannot therefore assign to him responsibility for the club's actions or inactions. He provided a full account of his degree of involvement in the matter, which was limited exclusively to his attendance at a single meeting. And I found him to be extremely forthcoming and credible in our discussion. Um, you know, as an assistant GM at the time, Sheveldayoff, who reported to Stan Bowman, was the lowest ranking club official in the room. And his position included no oversight responsibilities over the club's coaching staff. He was among the last to be included in the meeting. He was learning of the subject matter for the first time in the presence of his boss, then GM Stan Bowman, his boss's boss, then CEO John McDonough and the head coach, Joel Quenville, who was Brad Aldrich's direct superior, he had limited familiarity with the personnel involved, and he was essentially an observer to the discussion of possible next steps, which discussion apparently ended with Sheveldayoff believing that the matter was going to be investigated. Sheveldayoff's role with the Blackhawk, within the Blackhawks organization at the time not only left him without authority to make appropriate organizational decisions relating to this matter, But as importantly, he was not thereafter even in a position to have sufficient information to assess whether or not the matter was being adequately addressed by the Blackhawks. In short, Sheveldayoff was not a participant in either the formulation or execution of the club's response. Given these findings, the NHL has determined that Kevin Sheveldayoff should not be subject to discipline in the Brad Aldrich matter. 
Um, again, all of this, I, I certainly understand the argument from the from the Jets and from Shevelday on this, and it is important. We need do need to hear from the man himself um, because if you do read the report, uh, it certainly is also very unclear as to the nature. I, you know, when it was described as what was brought up in that meeting. Um, I'm not sure the information was there, certainly anywhere close to the severity and seriousness of the sexual assault, which is what it was. Um, and I think it was more portrayed in the form of potential harassment of a player. Now, sexual harassment is, again, is very serious. Um, but, you know, for someone that was in that junior role, the bottom rung of the ladder, um, being told by all of your superiors that it was being handled, I think there is a plausible deniability. Um, but that won't be enough for a lot of people. And in today's day and age, when you know we've seen the horrors of sexual assault, uh, both to women and in this case, men, um, it, it is it's incredibly serious. And I mean, that's not good enough for a lot of people. And I understand that. Um, but certainly, I think that the National Hockey League, more so than the average person, uh, you know, on social media, that everyone's got entitled to their opinion. Um, did a deep, deep investigation into this, into Shevel Dayoff's role. Um, and you can see, Remus, I mean, I, I think it speaks for itself how different the tone is in the explanation on what happened with Joel Quenville, who I think was done before he even walked into the commissioner's office, and the very different statement from the National Hockey League about Kevin Shevel Dayoff's time in Chicago, his role or lack thereof in what happened afterwards. Um, and his suitability to continue working for one of the member clubs of the NHL. Yeah, and that's kind of surprising. I mean, go back to Joel Quenville. You know, after the Beach interview came out, and just even when we were, you know, we were reacting live to the release of the report on, I think it was Wednesday, and I was surprised that he was allowed to be behind behind the bench, and I don't know what changed. And Stunned. we said. And we said, and look, if you're not going to sit there and answer questions after the game, which is a coach's duty, so I don't know what went into that decision, but it's clear they they dropped the ball. And, I mean, there was no question that um, he's not fit to lead based on um, what came out in that report. Um, the Shevel Dayoff one, I mean, you can agree that he wasn't directly responsible, and I will agree with that. And, here's, and Eric Macromala, who's done radio stuff on TSN Radio, we used to have him on, and he said his arguments would be, you know, the allegations were presented as sexual harassment and not sexual assault. The president, John McDonough, said he would handle it. He did not have a legal responsibility. But for the Jets, you know, he adds, the business case to fire him may be too strong to ignore. And I kind of think that that's where we're going, where he was pretty directly associated as the, you know, as the assistant GM. He was in the meeting. So I was surprised the NHL didn't hand in uh, hand out uh, discipline, and but I think their reasons, if you've read the report, are are definitely sound. But it doesn't mean he didn't have responsibility to act. Well, it, you know, and again, and I mean, it's such yeah. a difficult thing uh, really again, to talk about to put yourself. Yeah. I mean, I have spent all week trying to put myself in Kevin yes. Sheveldayoff's position, I, and it's very easy to go back and say now, well, I would have just gone over the heads of all these people. Yes. That wouldn't have been good enough seeing him around. And yeah, for sure, I would have been, I guess, depending on how much I knew, what the what was really alleged in that meeting, as opposed to what we knew, would have thought it was pretty strange. This guy was still with a role with the club, still working with Q every day, preparing to beat the Philadelphia Flyers in the Stanley Cup final. 
but I think there was, uh, you know, a, a certainly a distance between the two. I mean, and it does, you know, relate, you know, we just kind of read it out that, you know, going forward, he really wasn't a part of any of that, had different roles and, you know, did not really work with the coaching staff. So, I mean, but there's two courts. There was the court of Gary Bettman and the National Hockey League, and there's also the court of public opinion. And while things went well for Kevin Sheveldayoff um, today with the commissioner, as we've just read out, there was the statement. The other side of this is going to be, um, you know, if Kevin Sheveldayoff's continuing as the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets will be to, I think, regain the confidence of a lot of people who maybe have lost some in Sheveldayoff as a leader based on what we've heard over the last little while. And um, following today's announcement by the National Hockey League, the Jets released a statement from Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff, and this is it. First and most importantly, I want to express my support of and empathy for Kyle Beach and all he's had to endure since 2010. He was incredibly brave uh, coming forward to tell his story. We can all use his courage as an inspiration to do a better job of making hockey a safer space for anyone who wants to play the game. Further, I want to express my gratitude to the National Hockey League for the opportunity to meet with Commissioner Gary Bettman in person and directly share my role and recollections of events while I was assistant GM of the Blackhawks in 2010. Kevin Sheveldayoff. My response when I read that was, that's it? I mean, that's the statement? Um, and now listen, I'm no PR expert, but we deal with a lot of it. Um, considering everything that we've talked about, I mean, uh, surely that can't be it. Um, I mean, there's much more. I mean, just read what people, I mean, people that I really respect. I mean, there are people that, you know, I think understand the reasoning of the National Hockey League and the situation Sheveldayoff was in and are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but there are many people that aren't. And as Macromala mentioned, from a business side of things, um, if you do not regain the confidence of those people, of those fans, of your stakeholders, which include a lot of sponsors that are spending a lot of money, there could be a problem going forward. And to be honest, that statement that I just read to you isn't going to cut it for, I think, a large, large portion of those people, even if they're on side with the decision that was made by the National Hockey League. So from my perspective, Reem, I think this is going to, this is not over. Um, and certainly in this market, um, other people with this story, I'm sure will move on and will be following the other developments for it. From the National Hockey League, in their opinion, everything's done. But for Kevin Sheveldayoff, the Winnipeg Jets, Mark Chipman, True North Sports and Entertainment in this market, um, I, I don't understand, I don't believe, and, I, and I'm not saying that this is the plan, to put out this two-paragraph statement, which does not include any apology for a lack of action that might have prevented what ended up happening to Kyle Beach and subsequent victims, that just simply isn't going to cut it. And uh, I mean, as I said, I haven't been in touch with the Jets. I mean, this has all been happening very quickly, and I can't imagine what they're dealing with right now. And of course, this meeting took place in New York. Um, but I certainly think that if it's not planned, it better be at some point very soon for Kevin Sheveldayoff to address publicly his role or lack thereof and explain essentially many of the things that he obviously did a good job in explaining to Gary Bettman to make him avoid punishment from the National Hockey League and have the ability to be the lone person in that meeting that's still employed in the NHL and not out like Joel Quenville of the Panthers that met his demise last night after meeting with Gary Bettman.
Yeah, well said, Huss. Uh, the statement came out, and I kind of was flipping through Twitter. I'm like, that's it? Um, are we going to see more? I mean, you don't really see any uh, remorse. I don't see any any accountability, anything, what they're, what they're going to do going forward. And I think that'll come next week, but I think you need to react, uh, react quickly. And the kind of the statements they've released are kind of vague. And I mean, this was, this was the, the bare, the bare minimum here. And I mean, we'll see how it goes going forward. And I think a lot of it is, um, is PR at this point. And I think the strategy, um, maybe falls a bit short. I, and I thought AJ Jakobek, of TSN Radio in Ottawa said it pretty well that you know a lot of the stuff that he's seen you know from people coming out just miss, misses the mark and I, I kind I kind of agree uh, with him on this one. Yeah, they're uh, they're for sure. Um, I mean, there there has to be yeah. uh, more and to I'm, this. I, there I mean, will be more more next week. I think we want to hear we want to hear more more from him for sure. Yeah, I mean, we do. I mean, as as fans and people that are interested in the mm-hmm. hockey club and certainly the media will be expecting those answers. Um, but as, and I keep going back to this, I mean, this is all about, I mean, when you build a hockey team, when you build an organization like Mark Chipman has done, um, you have many stakeholders and he has said, you know, the main tenant of building a team in an organization is that trust. And I do think that the trust in the leadership of the general manager, and certainly it would be, it would continue to go higher up the ladder if this was somewhat ignored publicly, I think would be lost by a number of stakeholders that, you know, would have the ability to clearly express their frustration, not only verbally or through emails, but also potentially a withholding business. I mean, you have seen people that'll say, you know, I'm not supporting this team anymore. I don't want to go to games anymore because of what's happened. And listen, I'm not sure whether the, you know, whether that's just a, a very visceral reaction, which I understand. I mean, I think we've all had many of those over the past few days with what's been uh, revealed as well as what we've heard, especially with the Kyle Beach interview. Um, but you know, at the same time, um, there are, there, I mean, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot at stake for the organization and it all comes back to that trust and confidence in, in, in the people that are behind the hockey team that, you know, we love to watch and saw have a big win last night against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, we're going to get to this with Murata Tesh. Um, you know, we will talk about the game as well. Big win heading into San Jose tomorrow night. Um, but I think right now, before we get to that, I don't want to overlook the reaction to the Kyle Beach interview by members of the Winnipeg Jets yesterday. Um, and a number of the players after the morning skate came and met the media. Captain Blake Wheeler was there, although he didn't play last night. Josh Morrissey, Adam Lowry. But Paul Maurice, I thought, really um, you know, had some very interesting comments on it. Um, so we'll, we'll play a few of those before we bring Marat in because I think it's a good backdrop for one of the many things that's happened in relation to this and the Winnipeg Jets over the last few days. Let's start it off with the coach. This is pregame yesterday when Paul Maurice was asked if he had seen the interview of Rick Westhead with the uh, John Doe, now known as Kyle Beach. I don't think that you have to have children um, to be shook by that. But if you do, I mean, it it just... um, just the pain of it and and for you certainly we think of Kyle but think of the family right how would you feel if that was your child 
and then there and I don't know that I have words after it's 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 tragic the event happened just just tragic and then you hope and pray that this is the right step forward for him to heal to have not a meaningful life that's not the right word because he has a meaningful life but to, to to be able to to maybe champion this or to make it feel like a positive driver in his life when clearly it would be such a negative driver in anybody's life that you could get in some ways harness it and 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 I, th- I think I felt that in, in his words that, that that's the direction it's going so that there's healing and growth and, and that he can have more good days if that makes any sense have more positive days I mean, that's what you would want for your kids you would just want you would just want that never to have happened and if it did you would want them to have a better day tomorrow than they had yesterday that, that was, it was chilling all right there's a bit of Paul Maurice's comments yesterday on hearing the Kyle Beach interview and I know a lot of people have different opinions on Paul Maurice as a head coach and the lineups that he's putting on. But this isn't about what's happening on the ice. And Paul Maurice is an incredibly experienced hockey man, as experienced as just about anybody in the game. Um, he's seen it all. Uh, well, maybe until what was revealed this uh, this week. And you can see how much that hit home. Um, Captain Blake Wheeler also talked about it. And Blake Wheeler, you know, a veteran player, a father of uh, young kids who are involved in hockey. I mean, this is something, I mean, it doesn't really matter what role you are, whether you're the captain of the Winnipeg Jets or single Huss here doing a show every day. I mean, this rocked everybody with what happened and what didn't happen and the effects that it's had on Kyle Beach's life. And the captain of the Winnipeg Jets was asked about watching the interview and his reaction to it as well yesterday. Yeah, I think just uh, you feel terrible for Kyle. You know, I think that's the that's the biggest takeaway is um, you know that he had to go through that and had to go through it for as long as he had to go through. Um, so you just feel you feel terrible for him, and hopefully, you know, this is the this is a start for him to you know to move forward and and, and kind of get some some resolution to that situation. You see this having, you know, obviously being this lethal, and you see that having a ripple effect? I mean, he was John Doe forever, and then he, you know, then he became Kyle Beach, and I'm wondering if you think that's going to have an effect, you know, on players, you know, past and present or whatever, what, what that could have, like, coming forward like he did. I think it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity for a learning experience for everyone. You know, it's unfortunate that you have to use, you know, a human being as an example to, to learn from it, but... I think that's where we are now. I mean, um, now that now that we are in this place, it's a, an opportunity for you know the league, for pro sports as a whole, to you know examine how we do things and and uh, you know hopefully we can learn and grow. On the education side, I mean, I, when the time's right, whenever that might be, do you see it as an opportunity as a team to kind of maybe have a broader conversation about what happened. And I don't know if it's necessarily for preventative reasons, but just maybe to just share and kind of. Maybe break that. I don't know what barrier might be to have these kind of tougher conversations and to educate yourself on maybe what happened there. You know, I can only speak for my experience. You know, thus far in my career, and um, you know, I've I've always felt that I've I've had that in the places I've played. You know, I can speak from personal experience. You know, the the leadership in our organization. I mean, I've 
just whether it's you know being a young father or I'm not trying to compare my situation in any means to, to Kyle but just to you know I've, I've been supported throughout my career in Winnipeg um, especially and um, you know so that I, I just uh, I think that we've 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 been gone you know we've gone down this road a little bit and just started having some of these conversations you know in the last year and a half and and um, just continue to try to be better. All right, there is uh, the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. And yeah, we will be talking about the game, but um, you can't get to the game without you know speaking about what's really important right now. And um, that, of course, is this story that has gripped the entire hockey world and the sports world. One more clip from the Winnipeg Jets yesterday. One of the most thoughtful and well-spoken young men on the Winnipeg Jets, Josh Morrissey, um, referred to uh, his watching the uh, beach interview as well. Yeah, I, I took the time to watch the... The interview yesterday, um, I'd recommend uh, everyone takes the time to watch the interview. Um, I mean, it's just, it's a tragedy and uh, you know, I just feel horrible for, for him and um, what he went through and, you know, what he went through is unacceptable and nobody should have to deal with that. And um, But I, I really recommend, you know, if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. I really appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm wondering as, you know, hockey players, you know, as teammates, when the when the time's right, and you know whether whenever that might be, do you think it's maybe an opportunity to have a broader conversation amongst your own teammates? You know, maybe take you know educate yourselves on what happened there. You know, and whether it's preventative or not, but just to get a better understanding as you know one of, one of your brothers in this league went through and, and how kind of it happened. Yeah, definitely. I think. I mean, first of all, you know the courage it takes for him to, you know. Be, be public in, 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 in his situation. I mean, it's, it's something that we all have to, as I said, you know, learn from and, and, and watch the, the interview and, and, you know, educate yourself. Um, but I do, I do agree. I think it's an opportunity where, you know, we have to, as a group, and we have in my experience here in Winnipeg, you know, talked about being open and inclusive and, um, you know, creating an environment where you feel comfortable to, you know, um, talk about anything going on in any, you know, on, on a whole range of, of subjects. And, um, you know, that's been my experience. And I think, you know, when something like this comes out, you know, everyone has to take that opportunity to, to learn from it because, um, you know, that's, that's doing, you know, doing right by somebody like Kyle, you know, speaking about his experience. We talk a lot about hockey culture and locker room stuff society changes, right? I mean, as a society, we, we've evolved. And I'm wondering, you know, has that trickled into the locker room where you feel maybe more comfortable sharing things, you know, personal things that you might not have been as comfortable years down the road? I'm wondering if there has been an evolution of that over your career. Yeah, I mean, I, I have, you know, in my experience, I, I wasn't in the league, obviously, uh, when the incident took place. Um, but I think... You know, it, it's situations. It's it's players speaking out like Kyle and um, like players have in the past. Um, you know that that creates change and it, it forces change and um, you know forces conversation. And as I said, my experience. You know, I, I'm very grateful that my experience has been nothing but extremely positive and one of you know I've always felt respected and and treated well. And I think um, you know that a large part of that can be attributed to you know, players in the past, uh, you know, speaking up and, and um, you know, talking about, you know, the most, 
you know difficult of circumstances that like I said it creates change for for the next generation and the next players there is Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets along with the coach and Blake Wheeler from yesterday before the game. And yes, I see some of you saying, let's talk about the game. Hey, read the room, people. We will talk about the game, uh, but there's some things we need to get to first. Um, and this is the topic that we'll start off with Murata Tesh, and then we'll get to the Jets win last night in LA against the Kings. Uh, before we do that, do want to thank Culligan Water. Fantastic to have a great family-owned business celebrating 65 years in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba on board with us on Winnipeg Sports. Talk whether you need water softeners, filters, drinking water systems for your home, uh, bottled water coolers, or bottled f- free coolers. Culligan are the experts in the water game and they have the solutions for you and your family, including co- uh, commercial and industrial solutions for businesses of all sizes. Find out more on how Culligan can hydrate you and your family or your business with their great services. Find out more at drinkculligan.com or you can visit them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or hit them up at 694-5180. Heading into the weekend, uh, November's just around the corner. It is going to be getting cold, so don't be that guy that waits till it's minus 30 to realize, damn, I need a new battery. Um, And support local and get the best price on a battery in town from Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery. Uh, All automotive battery prices in stock Picked up on Logan Avenue at Manitoba Battery, just $89.50 with the core exchange. I either get the old battery back or delivered within city limits without even leaving the house. You'll still save money as opposed to going to Costco or one of the big box stores. And you'll get a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. Pop down and see a Manitoba battery as well as they've got batteries for your sled, your boat, your RV, everything else. Give them a buzz or look at them online at manitobabattery.com. And a big shout out to our friends over at Royal Sports. Um, uh, Watched the uh, games last night with Greg. Um, great NFL game last night. Of course, a big Jets game. And whether you're a fan of the NFL, the Winnipeg Jets, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, no better spot for fan gear in town than the incredible selection over at Royal Sports, not to mention being the hockey superstore in Winnipeg for over 35 years. Another family-owned local business on board with us. And uh, hey, winter is right around the corner. They had the big snowboard sale last week. Tons of snowboard gear in stock. If you're thinking about hitting the hills this uh, winter, make sure you get over to Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. All right, let's continue the conversation and welcome in our good friend Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Um, Murat, thanks so much for doing this. It has been, uh, I mean, it's been a crazy week to say the least. Um, I think all of us have been shaken by what came out in the report um, and even more so by the interview of Kyle Beach. Um, I know I've had some you know tough moments over the course of the week trying to wrap my head around everything and I'm certainly you following it and covering it as well for the athletic have been the same way. Uh, how are you doing? Um, you know, I think there's just a lot of processing to do uh, emotionally when, when writing, researching uh, all of these sorts of things. I mean, I read large swaths of that 107 page report. It gets graphic and detailed about, uh, about what happened between Brad Aldrich and, and Kyle beach. I, I watched the Kyle beach interview and, and to hear him, apologized to that 16-year-old victim um, in a more empathic, direct, honest way than we've heard from any NHL organization, including the Winnipeg Jets to this point. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's devastating. Um, and and I continue to look for opportunities for, for people to take 
what's happened and say, yes, there have been mistakes made. And listen, this is our long-term substantiated, evidence-based, resource-intensive uh, way of saying that we're acting so proactively that this doesn't happen in the future. And, and certainly it's early in the process. We just have a can statement from the Winnipeg Jets and Kevin Shovel Day off today. But the sense seems to be that we're so far from that. The idea is that people are protecting themselves or they're resigning. And in, in Winnipeg's case, we, we don't have a, have a resignation. And I think that can be okay if the right work gets done, the right programs get launched, the right leadership gets shown. Uh, I just don't have the sense that we're seeing that right now. And, and so part of the emotion is responding to to a great sense of disappointment. Uh, you know, I, as I said in the open, um, last night when I read uh, the statement from Gary Bettman on Joel Quenville, knowing that he had essentially been forced to resign uh, and they fully supported it, that he'll have to have a meeting with Gary Bettman if he wants to have future employment in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest. I thought that was really, really bad news for Kevin Sheveldayoff and his prospects of holding on to his job here in Winnipeg. Um, so I, I was a little, I don't want to say I was surprised because I do think that there were two very, very different situations. And that obviously is clear from what we got from the National Hockey League. But before we talk about any response or lack thereof from Sheveldayoff and True North publicly, which I personally do expect to come and certainly hope, and I think it has to come. What did you make of what the National Hockey League said about Chevy's situation, uh, which was in stark comparison to the way they handled Joel Quenville, who was the head coach of the Blackhawks? Yeah, the NHL essentially made the determination that he was so far down the chain of command uh, that uh, Brad Aldrich didn't directly report to him. He wasn't directly responsible for the for the player involved. His boss and his boss's boss were in the room, um, and that and Chevel Dayoff had no reason to be in full information of the responses that came out. And so basically that seems to be taking the argument and presumably in that conversation, details were discussed beyond what you and I know today or what that report says is possible, or perhaps it was the same. But the argument seems to be that because Shevel Dayoff was not directly responsible, because he had reason to believe someone else was going to look into it, that he's not, you know, I guess, um, I'm going to say worthy of, but the, the same consequences that apply to the other people don't apply to him. And I actually, to be sincere, I have empathy for that. When your boss and your boss's boss say, we're going to handle it, I think there's a certain amount of room for, yes, that person is going to handle it. And, you know, it might not be literally the next day you're in, you're knocking on that door saying, hey, have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? Um, at the same time, I think that when... Uh, something like that serious comes across everybody's desk. Why is that staff member, Brad Aldrich, allowed to stay with the team for three more weeks, attend parties, have his day in the cup? I mean, if there's an allegation of any kind like that, that person needs to be removed immediately. And I think that immediate sense is why I continue to think that, yes, he was, you know, less, uh, had less power on the, on the organizational leadership uh, group but he was in the room, and I think he knew enough that I think there's plenty of room to say anyone in that room should have been at least a little bit culpable for not removing Aldrich from the situation immediately. Or upon seeing that Aldrich was still there, still coaching, still um, still part of the group partying and all of that sort of stuff, that, hey, maybe something's wrong here. And it's the events beyond that meeting for me 
that are, are the biggest question mark right now. Like what has happened in all in those weeks following the meeting, weeks following the cup? Um, it, it seems to me that 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 Shevoldayoff may completely legitimately, and I should admit that what we don't know, may legitimately be able to wash his hands of it to a certain degree. But I don't necessarily buy that his lack of uh, power in that structure absolves him from, from any role. And further to that, I think that the NHL has an opportunity here. And I'm not saying he absolutely had to be dismissed as a result. I, I think I have room for ways to address this. But what the NHL had the opportunity to do is say that silence is, in fact, unacceptable, that the privilege of this leadership position is contingent not just upon not doing the wrong thing, but on also doing the right thing when given that opportunity. And I understand that Shevoldayoff was a little bit down that leadership group, but he had the opportunity to do something right that he, he didn't do. And, you know, even a few words of condemnation of that would have, would have gone a long way, I think, with me personally. Yeah, I uh, I can't disagree with you on that. I mean, there have been a number of things that have been lacking from a number of the statements regarding from people that have been involved, certainly in Chicago, um, both from a management standpoint, i.e. Stan Bowman, um, as well as Jonathan Taves, whose comments, I think, were somewhat tone deaf, but he certainly wasn't the only one. We've had a number of those. Now, I wouldn't say that we've heard anything from the Winnipeg Jets or True North that has been completely tone deaf but like I said in the opening, uh, Marat, I went through the statement on Quenville. I went through the statement on Shevel Dayoff. And then I went through the statement that the Winnipeg Jets just put out recently in the last couple hours, which was two paragraphs. And my response to that was, that's it? Um, what did you think when you read what we got from the Winnipeg Jets? And, and, and do we know, um, what are you hearing about when we will actually hear from Kevin Sheveldayoff and Mark Chipman, frankly, because I think in a matter that is this serious, um, you know, for them to maintain or reclaim the confidence of their stakeholders, fans, sponsors, members of the organization that work there right now, I certainly think there's going to be a hell of a lot more needed than two paragraphs put out on Twitter. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that front. So I was similarly underwhelmed. True North's website lists a mission statement with three values that are held as inarguable truths. One of them is do the right thing. Not don't do the wrong thing, do the right thing. That is one of the fundamental core values of the mission. And yeah, there's a little bit of airy-fairiness to these sorts of things sometimes. I mean, but I, I think that there's a clear and obvious incongruousness there. So when I read that statement on Shavaldeyov's part, um, I think of the part of that Kyle Beach interview with Rick Westhead of TSN, where he says, you know what, if the people in charge of investigating what happened to me didn't have skin in the game, this would have been stopped. And when I read two paragraphs that don't say, I'm sorry for my role in this, I'm sorry for what happened, that I express empathy and support is what they say. It's so vanilla, it's so canned, it's so legalese that what I see is uh, an organization and a general manager in signing off on that statement, taking the, I have skin in the game, I'm still protecting myself way out of saying anything meaningful. Um, and I think that's what we've come to expect from Can's statements. So I don't know where I stand on that. Is that acceptable, like moving forward? I, I don't like it at all. And presumably what a statement like that is followed by is with a media availability where people can ask, the questions like, okay, if you want there to be a safer space for everybody, what is True North going to do? 
we don't have that opportunity today. In fact, um, the the question I have or uh, had, pardon me, for, for the Jets was, when will we have that opportunity? And I was told next week, likely. I was not told guaranteed or anything. I mean, I'm sure it will happen. Uh, but the idea that it's not even, that, that there's any possibility at all, and that it's delayed that many days from what, what the news is today, you know, I don't like that at all. We're going to be asking these questions all week. I think it's all weekend, pardon me. And I think that the fact that we don't know and don't have that opportunity is going to make it worse dialogue-wise uh, on the internet and in articles uh, in the days to come. Yeah, and again, it is Friday afternoon right now. I mean, I was similarly nonplussed with Donald Fair putting out his statement at midnight uh, a couple nights ago. I mean, uh, I mean, you're in the business. that I've never seen anything come out at that sort of an hour, especially of something of that importance. And, you know, maybe from the PA standpoint, they said this was so important. We needed to get this out ASAP. So it's there for everybody in the morning. But it was... It was somewhat interesting. And I mean, as far as this goes, I mean, ah, you know, do you do do you do it at the soonest possible moment and do it on a Saturday where it might be lost? Or is it something that's so important that you plan for it? Mark Chipman is there. Kevin Shevoldayoff's there. And, you know, early next week before the team plays another home game. I mean, the, the Jets are hosting the Dallas Stars on Tuesday. I'm telling you right now, if this is not addressed um, I, I can't imagine what that atmosphere will be like because, as you can imagine, Marat, there's a lot of Jet fans that are huge fans of Kevin Sheveldayoff. The job that he's done, the the way that he's represented the Winnipeg Jets over the course of 10 years, that are still having a very difficult time with this, even if they wanted to give Chevy the benefit of the doubt and feel like it is just that he's not losing his job for it. There still is a lot more that needs to happen just for the fan base, and I'm not even talking about the business ramifications of this when it comes to sponsors, season tickets, all the things that this team absolutely needs to go forward. Um, and I'm not suggesting that this is all just a business decision. I do, and I've said this before, have a lot of faith in Mark Chipman. Um, every dealing that I've had, which goes back over 25 years, has been that of character, has been that of principle, and has been that of doing the right thing. And I'm still hopeful and expect that that will be done. Um, but that obviously has to happen, Marat, because, um, you know, when we're talking about Winnipeg Jet fans and really this community and its relationship with that team and the organization of True North Sports and Entertainment, this is the sort of thing that could irrevocably damage the confidence of Winnipeg and Manitoba if it's not handled correctly, fully, thoroughly and honestly. Fully, thoroughly, and honestly, I'll echo that. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And, you know, the article that I posted the the morning, hours before the, the updated news was released, was Mark Chipman speaking to the values of himself, of the organization, of the trust in, in important to leadership with respect to Paul Maurice, because I had been genuinely moved by how Paul Maurice handled the Carey Price situation, had spoken to Tina Compton uh, and uh, to that situation as well and to so many more. And to have that contrasted here is so stark for me, is absolutely so stark. And at the same time, I'll go back to Kevin Sheveldayoff, of course, that's the news. At the same time, you say like fans will, there are fans who love him and his track record running the Winnipeg Jets is pretty good. You know, is he the top two or three GMs of the NHL for the last decade. I'm not sure that he is, but 
above average. Certainly when we run the athletic polls to ask how fans are satisfied with his performance, it's usually kind of a four out of a five is kind of what we get. Um, I have enjoyed my dealings with Kevin Shovel Day off as well. I mean, he's a human being. And if there is any legitimacy to the idea that his place within that leadership group was so dilute that, okay, this is, it's understandable that he didn't act or something. If, if all of that is true, and I'm not sure that I've concluded that it is, we still have the opportunity for him to come out proactively against the culture that leads to that silence, that inaction for a decade. It's an opportunity that until Shevel Dayoff, Pittman speak before Tuesday's home game, like you say, until that opportunity is taken, um, it's an opportunity missed. And it shows, I mean, an absence of leadership, in my opinion. Um, and for me, it's beyond words, it's programs, it's resources, even if it's defensible uh, that Shovel Dayoff didn't do more at the time. Well, here we have an opportunity to do something good, to do the right thing at the core of the True North Sports and Entertainment mission statement. Um, and that's what I want to see from my own conviction in these people, these men, these human beings that um, moving forward who are in charge of so many of the things that are at the center of Winnipeg culture and Manitoba culture. Yeah, and, and I'd go one step further. I mean, uh, I agree it is an opportunity, but I also think, considering everything we've learned, it's a necessary obligation um, for them to do exactly that. I mean, it's something that has to happen, and um, you know, and it'll be a very, very important next step, presuming that the intentions of True North and Kevin Chevrolet office is to continue running the Winnipeg Jets and uh, being a leader and, you know, one of the central figures in this organization going forward. Um, before we get to the game, and again, it's difficult to sort of transition, you know, from such a serious topic to something that honestly seemed somewhat trivial. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I, I'm normally, I think you know me pretty well. I mean, I'm always fired up for the games. I mean, I live for this stuff. It's been weird watching the games and my level of intensity and engagement in these games over the last couple of days hasn't been the same that it's been. And, and part of it is I think I'm still somewhat shell-shocked from watching that interview, Murat. I mean, uh, Murat, it, it was one thing to read all the revelations in the report, which were absolutely stunning, and the details so uh, uh, you know so heavy that it resonated. But it, it's on a whole nother level when you see the courage of a young man to stand up to say his role. And the fact of the matter is that really the one apology that we've heard, the one sincere apology in all of this is not from any of the people that were involved in covering this up. It was from Kyle Beach himself to the future victims of this. So, I mean, that obviously it's hard to wrap your head around. The one thing I will say, um, and I guess my question for you is, is based on the very carefully worded statements we've had from the Winnipeg Jets and Chevel Dayoff, you know, in the summer, um, you know, earlier this week and today following the discussion with Gary Bettman. This is such a serious, this is such a serious um, dereliction of duty amongst some of those people. And obviously the NHL does not believe that Kevin was one of them. Um, but the fact of the matter is that there were subsequent victims because of the inaction. And I, and I do wonder, because it doesn't seem like this style to maybe avoid tackling this head on, um, because there are legal ramifications to it. And in particular with Kevin Sheveldayoff, because he was in that meeting, um, that, that's the only thing that I can really, it, it, that I could explain how short, brief, and lacking some of the things that I think we are all expecting to hear 
from Sheveldayoff when eventually it is talked about honestly and openly, as we've been mentioning? Yeah, that's a legal clarification that I think is important to talk about. And I think it's also important for me to acknowledge I don't know the legality of it. But I I, I think that I, there are there's room for the possibility that if he comes out and says, I'm sorry for my actions in this situation, I'm sorry for how they connect to what happened in the future, there may be legal ramifications and, and maybe you know more than I do to have framed it that way. I, I don't know, and I think that's important for us to keep in mind right now. Here's what I worry about, though. If that's in fact the case, and if I don't want to say hiding behind, but I'll, I, nothing else, hiding behind a short crafted statement is in, the, is in his and, and the team's best interest right now from a legal perspective, then what is going to be said when on Monday, on Tuesday, whenever the the, the media availability uh, happens? You know, to what degree can we be satisfied? And and that's a scary thought. Like I don't like the the possibility that this wanes in in any regard because folks uh, hide. But at the same time, I'm speculating. I mean, for all we know, he's as forthcoming as possible in in, in that and. Um, you know, I'm, I don't think it's my place to comment on what might happen next week. Yeah, what no, might. yeah, and I'll, I'll echo with you. I think we all know what should happen um, and what I think people are expecting to happen at every level, whether you are a fan, a sponsor, a season ticket holder, a stakeholder, all of that. Listen, we're going to get to the game. Last question on this topic, and it's not really a shovel day off question at all. Um, what needs to what needs to be the legacy of all of this? Um, in your mind, Marat, because I mean, it is as much as we're focusing on the one victim and the other people with that were victims of Bradley Aldrich. Uh, I think we all know that I've been saying it all week. If this can happen on a Stanley Cup champion team to a man in his 20s, um, I, I shudder to think about what's possible at lower levels of the game. Yeah, uh, likewise. And so, you know, we we see this story, we see the Sheldon Kennedy story. We see, um, you know, the U S women's, uh, gymnast. We see the story that the athletic did with the, the U S soccer players as well. Like this is pervasive beyond hockey and into sport. And I would, I would imagine, um, this is just social science, not nothing proven from me there. This research probably exists and, and I should be reading it, but in any situation where there's structural power and equity, I think that there's, the opportunity for things like this to happen. So I think that for me, the, what needs to happen is to, is to consider this not as an isolated incident, but as a function of what happens when power is structured the way that it is, when people are gateways to your success, um, when, when there's that amount of inequality and sports are inherently structured that way for often for positive reasons that make sense. Um, and in this case, absolutely not. So when something like this happens, I think we focus in on it. The zoom out should be, okay, well, what is it about the culture, whether it's hockey culture, sport culture, male culture, that led to that silence and inaction, that put winning ahead of doing the right thing, um, that put, for example, the drafting of Logan Mayu, despite him posting publicly he didn't want to be drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Like, that's not an isolated incident either. What is it about, uh, I guess, would it be masculine culture that, that makes these things happen? And most of us not really bat an eyelash until it happens in our purview. So what's the answer? Where do you go from there? That's so broad. But I imagine that there's 
as always, like systemic implications on, on how we act when these things happen. And I think the next step for me is to try to figure out what those are and what role I play in them. Um, because I, I, I just admit, Huss, I just, I feel so ignorant about how all the connect to each other. I'm just convinced that there's nothing isolated about what we saw here or what we will continue to see, that there's, there's room for something systemic to improve. Murat Atesh of The Athletic is with us uh, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, obviously, we've spoken um, the majority of this first hour on um, the situation regarding the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Dayoff, the National Hockey League. Uh, but there was a game last night. So uh, if we can, for a minute, kind of change hats. And I think we focused on and said everything that needs to be said um, so far on this continuing story. And it certainly won't be the last we speak of it. Um, big win last night uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. And, uh, you know, let's start off. Um, you know, it, it's sort of funny. Remus was mentioning earlier today, like people in our chat, they were all over Andrew Kopp. Uh, no hands. He's been scoring goals. PLD was the most scrutinized guy on the hockey club coming into the season. He's been on fire and really leading the way. And maybe the biggest concern of Winnipeg Jet fans all along has been the backup goalie position in Eric Comrie. And we knew there'd be a crazy spotlight on him when he finally did get his first start and probably as much pressure as he's ever had in his NHL career. And um, I got to tell you, for a, a really great person that I think everyone can cheer for, um, he came up big last night and uh, a big win personally for Eric, but also an important one for the Jets to keep this momentum going without Wheeler and Shifley in the lineup. Yeah, that was the best game of hockey I've ever seen Eric Palmer. And I like that for him. I mean, the, such an enthusiastic, sweet human being when he speaks to the to the media. And, and um, you know, it seems to be a consistent emblem of, of, of his character is this enthusiasm for the game. Uh, he had his family, so many members of his family in the rink. He kind of joked that, the, you know, he was playing for the love of the game because he shelled out so much in tickets and, and that made yeah. me laugh. Great line. Um, and, you know, the truth is, until he has a sizable body of work that looks like that, he's going to be a question mark, right? He's a, a league minimum contract. His previous stints in the NHL uh, were often in these one-off games in strange situations. And, you know, he got shelled. Well, you know what? He got shelled in terms of shot quantity for a period last night and held up. And, and show that, you know, he could be a goaltender that provides a, a win because the defense was not particularly strong consistently through 60 minutes last night. So if Eric, can com if Eric Comrie can deliver that, that kind of performance, pardon me, uh, with some consistency, that question mark changes a little bit. And I just like to see more of it before I come off the, you know, the, this, is a, this is a position of, of potential weakness for the Jets. But it was a great first step, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that, you know, the, you know, we'll see what happens 10 games in, you know, to the seat to 10 starts in, I think that'll be, you know, a reasonable amount to, to see. But I will say this, if he'd had a terrible game yesterday, um, the conversations would be very different around this hockey club. And I think both for Comrie proving himself to the organization, to his teammates, that he can be a guy counted on and the way he had to rise to the occasion in that third period. Um, hard to imagine it going much better for Comrie in his first start of the season. Yeah. And Paul Maurice, I think, put it best by saying, you know, it wasn't some seven, six win that, you know, they won despite uh, Eric Comrie or something to that effect. It, you know, he gets a large piece of that win. And I think that, you know, I see it in practice when he does make, you know, a big save um, and, and, you know, whether it's a line rush or, or what have you, whatever context it is, 
the guys cheer for him. They genuinely do. And I don't know if that's, you know, because they like him individually. I know he's got lots of great friends on the team or if it's protection of your backup, because you know, the situation he's in, um, there's a genuine emotion there. It would have been nice to see the Jets translate that into perhaps a better defensive effort to make it so that Eric Comrie didn't have to have the quality of game that he did, but he delivered. So it's, it's good news for everybody on all fronts and definitely his confidence going forward. I mean, I think the Jets have a back-to-back, isn't it, uh, Friday, Saturday, this uh, this yeah. next week? So we can anticipate that, that Comrie will get one of those as well and, you know, hopefully deliver again in, in front of a home crowd. Well, speaking of delivering, um, it, it's funny you bring that up because um, he may need to deliver sooner than that or unexpectedly at some point because, of course, Connor Hellebuck's better half will be delivering a young Hellebuck into the world at some point very soon and, um, you know, especially with that in the backdrop, you know, a strong first game for Eric Comrie, considering he might be called on for more than a spot start in the very near future because of some family issues is a, uh, you know, is something important to note. And we'll be paying attention to that um, as we get closer into next week and the Jets beginning this homestand. Uh, I mentioned Dubois, another brilliant game last night. This is the player that the Winnipeg Jets were hoping for when they traded Patrick Lining and Jack Roslevic last year. And man, I don't know what we can say about Kyle Connor and the connection between those two. Uh, I, I guess first off, let's talk about last night's game and the performance of both of those. couple big ones for Dubois and three assists for the you guy that's usually the finisher um, on whatever line he's on in Kyle Connor. Yeah, I mean, first of all, what I can say is I would like to publicly thank Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor for developing the chemistry that I wrote that they would uh, in my video study. I, did, I think I watched 15 games of Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I thought to myself and, and made the case for du, for Connor and Dubois to be line mates, thinking that the, the playmaking and the types of lanes that they jump into made sense. And then I looked so horribly wrong for so long. And hey, who knows, I might prove me wrong still. Right now, I just I like I like to see it. So thanks, guys. Thanks for making it look like I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, um, to just watch it happen. I mean, for me, my favorite play by those guys I, last night was Pierre Luc Dubois' first goal, and it was probably the least pretty. But it starts with Pierre Luc Dubois on his goal line, on the crease in front of Eric Comrie. Um, making sure that his defensive duties are are taken care of and that the defensive zone is clean. He jumps into that rush that, that Connor is leading and Sveshnikov is a part of and Morrissey as well um, as, a, as a next wave because he's taking care of his responsibilities in his own end. A rebound happens, he picks it up, he makes the speed play. We wouldn't have seen this, I don't think, last season as well to beat quick to the far post as well on the wraparound. And for me, it shows... You know, at different parts in that play, there's every little piece that you're hoping for from Pierre-Luc Dubois, the defensive acumen, as well as the finish and the speed. And then the night only gets better from him for from there. Uh, of course, this is all be happening without Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler in the lineup. Um, let's entertain for a moment the potential of Wheeler coming back tomorrow night against the Sharks. Uh, we know that Shifley's not able to, you know, travel. He'll be potentially a, a player next week for the Winnipeg Jets. But if Wheeler's back in the lineup tomorrow night, where do you think he ends up? I think it would be easy for him to end up on one of two lines. The first one that comes to mind is he takes Evgeny Svechnikov's spot at right wing. Connor and Dubois stay together. Wheeler's on that line. Wheeler and Connor have had chemistry in the past though it's been a while since that trio of Wheeler, Connor, Shifley, absolutely dominant. So there's some precedent there. 
Um, and I think it would be easy from Paul Maurice's perspective to put the veteran back into that spot in that top six. Um, another possibility is that third line's, I think, beginning to struggle uh, a little bit. Adam Lowry, uh, Jansen Harkins, and Christian Veselainen, there are moments of every game where Harkins and Veselainen do something nice that you're like, okay, good stick, good forecheck, what have you. I love Harkins' speed. Last night, actually, there's a, a really excellent example of him using it and a good read on a back check to, ne to negate a chance um, at the top of the circle. So I like things, elements of their game, but there are times when both of those young players have young player moments, um, and, and I'm, I'm looking for some stability on that line. And it's possible for me that Blake Wheeler could be that stability as well, whether that becomes Harkins, Lowry, Wheeler, or uh, or uh, some other version of it. I think it's the middle six he would go back to. I think there's a number of options for Wheeler, and I think you nailed that. And, and you know, and what he does in game number one coming back could be at a more limited role. I think a number of those things, those things are possible. But let's assume for a minute that you, you cannot break up Dubois and Connor, and those guys will be a unit next week during the homestand. What about Mark Shifley? I mean, if you're Paul Maurice, what, what makes the most sense to um, get the most out of Mark Shifley and one of those top two lines without Kyle Connor on the wing? And is Blake Wheeler on that line or is Blake somewhere else? Well, let's say we get everybody back. The The team gets everybody back and we have problems. I think that that Connor Dubois duo should be kept together still. Um, I think that Stastny, Kopp, and Ehlers, you may make the argument that Stastny is a little bit at this stage of his career out of his element being the number one line uh, top trio. So I have room for a Cop shifley ehlers top line without Blake Wheeler on it. Um, I have room for Dubois and Connor to stay together, perhaps with Blake Wheeler on their right wing. Uh, and then to me, that gives Stastny as a stabilizing element to Lowry on that third line, perhaps allowing the Jets to spread out some of the wealth. That third line can probably take on more of a tough minutes matchup role. And ideally, the duos that are working right now, um, you know, in the top six get to stay together. And for all the consternation about Andrew Kopp over the years, man, like, you know, the can he play in a top six role? He certainly doesn't have the slick finish and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he's showing that on the nights that he doesn't score, he can put the puck in good situations to help drive play for those guys. And then surprisingly, more often than not, he is contributing offensively as well. And as long as that continues, it might stop. As long as it continues, I think that he's well worth being used as a valuable piece to turn the Jets into a top 19. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just on top of that, I mean, I think that if you have Shifley playing with Ehlers, which is very exciting to think about, we have seen those guys together in the past, and I think just knowing how skilled both of those players are, you think that there'd be some real potential. Uh, but I think an Andrew Kopp-type guy rounding out that line is important to have on it, and no disrespect to Paul Stastny at all. Uh, because he brings a lot of great things to the club. But, you know, considering the minutes, the responsibilities, and what we've seen from Cop in both ends so far this year, um, I think it certainly begs the question, is he the right guy for that? And I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah, I, I see it the same way. And with, you know, just to think out loud on Paul Stastny right now, I think we saw, I guess it's two nights ago now, that tic-tac-toe play for the, for the beautiful goal on that line. You know, his brain is still lightning quick. He has that all-world offensive instinct still his defensive reads are smart he's a you know he's a complete player in every sort of hockey iq aspect of the game 
And it's just for me a moment of, of considering whether his foot speed is enough to play that kind of minute, that kind of role and, and drive offense consistently from that point of view. And I'm not sure that it is. I'm not sure that it isn't. I think Andrew Kopp's a better option and that perhaps Paul Stastny can move up and down and in this case down the lineup to make room when, when performance warrants it. Uh, last one for you. And I appreciate you joining us. I mean, there was a lot of things we had to get to. I know I've kept you a long time today, but I always appreciate our conversations, especially important ones like uh, we had to have today and we'll continue to have here surrounding the Winnipeg Jets and the aftermath of everything in Chicago. Um, just defensively, um, you know, we always focus in on what's happening offensively and the guys that are making things happen and Dubois scoring and Kyle Connor setting them up. From a defensive perspective, going into this game against San Jose, what improvements would you like to see to uh, maybe prevent the goaltenders of the Winnipeg Jets needing to be in starring roles to get wins? Yeah, the first thing that I, I go to just in my memory is the goal against last night where Logan Stanley makes a giveaway and then pinches to try to protect that giveaway. Uh, Paul Stastny's in the neutral zone back-checking, so you can defend Stast Stanley's decision a little bit there. Uh, the giveaway, obviously, is a mistake. Um and then the puck goes the other way. It beats Dastny, and then Nathan Beaulieu's on site and doesn't uh, doesn't adjust to it, uh, doesn't move over and take that lane. I think that's the kind of read that you need your defenseman to make. I think that that needs to be cleaned up. And we have seen other elements or other examples, pardon me, of that decision at the line kind of not going right for the Jets so far this year. That's one where you'd like to see progressively tighten up. Um, I get some comments sometimes too when the Jets get lost in their own zone for a while or a breakout. I mean, they had a, you know, a, a, they gave up a goal due to a breakout that, that failed and then a puck was picked up by Adrian Kempe and, and buried by Adrian Kempe, I should say. Um, that needs to clean up as well. And that's an interesting one for me because I genuinely think the Jets have the horses to do it. I, I get criticism sometimes uh, and in response to these, like when I tweet that the goal happened, that, oh, it's the same system, it's destined to fail. I think these forces are better. I think that these guys can move the puck better than last year's group did, but these mistakes still get made from time to time. So I'm curious to see if they're, if the Jets do get stuck in their own zone and they do end up in sort of a man situation from time to time, which is happening way less this year than last, um, can they clean up that scrambled breakout that comes out of it? You're getting uncharacteristic mistakes you know, I associate Neil Pionk with clean exits at this stage of his career. You know, there have been some mistakes on that front. Brendan Dillon hasn't been at, as good at it as I've imagined. Um, and really that top four, if they can all get them themselves clean on the breakouts for 60 minutes, I think the defensive group looks a whole lot better in a hurry. And I'm not sure what step it takes to make sure that that's clean for that. Uh, uh, Marat, I, I, again, uh, it's just a pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate the conversation as to everyone that is with us here live on YouTube and listening on the podcast on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, if folks, if you have not already read Marat's piece on the situation with the Jets and Kevin Sheveldayoff, please do so at The Athletic. And I mean, there's been so much that's transpired since you wrote that. I, I imagine in addition to covering what's happening with the Jets as they finish up this road trip, kind of go, trying to go three for three, uh, I imagine you'll also be focusing in on What's next? Uh, I mean, just give the people a little tease on uh, when they'll see more content from you and what you're working on. For sure, yeah. I think the play is to respond to, you know, Kevin Sheldayoff's statement, uh, the news from the NHL today, because that's updated. That happened, you know, a couple hours ago, I guess, at this stage. I, I got my time zones mixed up. Um, so we'll, we'll follow that. Definitely we'll talk about the hockey as well. Like you say, it's been hard to really – you want to – 
you want to celebrate it in all ways. I think we just have to focus on the ice a little bit. Um, and for me, what I really want to think about out loud right now is Pierre-Luc Dubois yesterday in the interview, uh, in the interviews part of me, had shared that he's started to see what kind of player he can become and knows that it could take a long while to get there, but he still has, and he's trying to grant himself patience. I asked him after that, does patience come naturally to you as a human being? And he said, absolutely not. He laughed, like, absolutely not. It's hard for me. There's a journey there. And I think that there's a personal journey for Pierre-Luc Dubois accompanying the, the professional one that is his performance right now. And I think that that would be fun to explore because, I mean, he's such a good player and I think he's a sensitive, thoughtful person to listen to him speak as well. And, and such a strong storyline for the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll dig into that. Well, he's feeling it right now, as is his line mate, Kyle Connor, who are really driving the bus right now for the Winnipeg Jets, who have won four games in a row after starting 0-2-1 and uh, all the worry about missing number 55 and the captain, Blake Wheeler, and uh, things have turned around pretty quickly. One more opportunity to stack another two points before coming back home Tuesday against the Dallas Stars. Marat, happy and safe travels. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up next week back in the peg. Right on. Thanks for having me. Uh, at WPG Marat. It is Marat Atesh, our good friend from The Athletic. Make sure to uh, follow his coverage of the uh, all the developments as it relates to the Winnipeg Jets on and off the ice in the pages of The Athletic. I want to give a big shout out and thanks to Princess Auto, one of the great new sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto, of course, a proud supporter of curling both here in Manitoba and across the country and sponsoring Manitoban Olympic hopefuls, the Mike McEwen team and team Jennifer Jones as they look to represent Canada at the Olympics at the trials coming up next month. As far as Princess Auto goes, you know that it is the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them in-store at one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Great night to be at BP with the gang yesterday. Uh, Of course, pretty wild football game, which we'll get to before the end of the program on the upcoming week in the NFL. Big win for the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, you need to be at a great spot like Boston Pizza with multiple TVs when we've got a primetime NFL game and the Winnipeg Jets playing at the same time. Uh, Packer fans were happy. Jets fans were happy last night, and everyone's happy at BP. Checking out the new menu for fall as well as enjoying those ice-cold schooners, delicious pizzas, and Boston's wings. Great spot to get together with the gang on the weekend, or if you're staying home, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And, uh, A big shout-out and thanks to the gang over at Little Brown Jug who are getting ready to incredibly celebrate their fifth anniversary. Remus and I had a chance to go down and see Kevin and Dustin yesterday, got a tour of the brewery, uh, tried a couple of the new beers as well. Uh, If you have not been down to the tap room at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue, you really should get down there and check the events page at littlebrownjug.ca for a number of the things they've got coming up. They've had trivia. Actually, this afternoon, a family pumpkin carving from 3 to 6. We've got a scary movie going on from 9 to 11. 
Um, it's just a great spot and with some great new beers, including we were loving the summer variety pack all summer. Well, the winter variety pack is now here, including the new double, which I tried yesterday. A very, very great beer. Um, so thanks to Little Brown Jug for their support. And uh, pop down and make your weekend a little bit better with a 1919 or one of the other new brews from Little Brown Jug. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Uh, it has been uh, a pretty wild show. And by the way, great to see everyone that's with us. We obviously, with everything happening around the Winnipeg Jets and Kevin Chevalier, have some new folks with us here in the chat. Um, would love to have you join us on the reg. Uh, we're focusing on the Winnipeg sports teams daily here, but we'll also get to all the big stories in sports and have some laughs. Usually, although it's been tough to have many laughs over the course of this week with some of the content that we've been dealing with, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. That certainly helps us spread the channel. And if you haven't already hit the red subscribe button and everyone that has subscribed that's with us, will be in for a little fun way to finish up the week. That is one of our marble races for one of our great sponsors, Canadian Club. We'll be giving away a Canadian Club Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie, some other fun stuff at the end of the program. So make sure to stick around on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button, and join us for that. Um, well, Reem, I mean, we've covered a lot of topics, so we did have some fun talking about the game. Um, it was impossible to get right into the game without going over the big, big stories of the day, which, of course, start with the status of Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Dayoff. Uh, but we did that off the top, and now we can uh, get your thoughts on a big win last night that we just spoke about with Murata Tesh. What a game. Um, Andrew Kopp. Uh, can we talk more about this guy? I mean, is he, is he the best player on the Jets to start the season? I, he's among the team leaders in points. We've seen different ways. You know, heard people all summer say he doesn't have hands. I mean, we've seen him snipe. We've seen him. Not uh, a top six uh, player. Has he Can't scored a, a goal on a DK? Because he showed pretty soft hands on that tip. Like, you, you see NHL guys do that and make it look pretty easy. Um, but that was a nice one. He at one point, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I mean, six goals in seven games. He's almost eclipsed last year's goal total in seven. You know, he's played seven games this year. He's almost beat last year's total with the Jets. Let me just pull up. He had eight goals last year in 41 games. Uh, he's off to an incredible start, and I was, I knew he was going to bounce back. Not I knew, but I had a feeling, you know, last year wasn't the true Dubois. Uh, but I think he's exceeded, even if you thought he could bounce back, he's exceeded expectations. And I'm loving, I'm loving us watching this power play with Ehlers, Pionk, and uh, Kyle Connor. Um, and they've got two guys in front of the net. The way Ehlers goes in, he does the quick drop to Pionk, Pionk dishes to Connor for the one timer, or Ehlers can get it over to Connor for the one timer. Having Connor. He needs to stay there on the power play. So I'm curious how the lines are going to change, how the power plays are going to change. But I, I think that is working real well. And Eric Comrie, we had Comrie haters here all summer. Well, you nailed it. The yeah. funniest thing is, like, yeah. there anything better for the future prospects of a Winnipeg Jet player than to get crapped on by people in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat? It was PLD, all training camp in summer going into the season. The guy is on fire. It was Andrew Kopp, no hands, shouldn't be a top six player, can't score. He's playing his ass off. And then the other guy that was getting yep. it before he'd even played a game, people were out on Eric Comrie. And uh, Comrie went in. I Honest to God, I thought of that last night in between the second and third period. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm live betting the Jets right now. I think Comrie comes through. And uh, lo and behold, he does it. Uh, it it's kind of funny how the Heat 
placed on players has turned into great performances. Mm -hmm. Maybe we just, just have it keep up. Whoever yeah. we need something from, you know, we'll just get the commenters to be all over them. And then Crow will be served as it's been served quite a bit in the chat on a daily basis here on Winnipeg Sports I mean, Talk. I'm not saying, look, I agree, like, Comrie's career numbers. I mean, one good game doesn't change everything that you thought about him before, but I definitely think it's an encouraging sign, and um, we'll see how it is uh, how it is going forward. Um, so, I mean, it was it was a, there were times where, you know, they were hemmed in their own end, but they met, a win's a win. They got it, and, um, you know, two four in a row, two in a row on the road, and who, I almost forget, it's a distant memory. All, like, everyone up in arms after the loss to Minnesota in Game 3. So the team... Don't even remember that. Yeah, I don't, I don't what, what happened at the end? Oh, I've blown an empty net goal. No, yeah, ancient history. There, there ancient wasn't, history. There wasn't a panic button over here. That never happened. So, <laughs> so uh, I think I ought to feel good. And going into San Jose, who's played pretty well um, so far to start the season. They did lose yesterday to Montreal. But I think they've had some, you know, we saw it before. Like, why are the Jets cycling through the California teams in the two weeks of the season? I don't know, but good, good to get these late games out of the way. We won't have to deal with them, deal with them later. But it is a, it is a six o'clock start. I assumed it was going to be the the late game on uh, on Saturday. I don't know why, but um, yeah, you know what, it, I did too. And I'll, you know, Ken asked me. And by the way, a little yeah. programming note. Yeah, Ken I'll asked be doing, you. He said do the late. He said it was the late game. Did he get uh, well, moved? we just assumed. We just assumed. No, no, it didn't get moved. Ken just Ken along with you and me just assumed San Jose West Coast Saturday night. That means mm -hmm. a late late game. But um, not sure how they worked that out. Anyways, it's six o'clock start. Four o'clock on the West Coast. I'll be jumping on the OB pregame tomorrow with Kelly Moore at four p.m. And then after the game. Um, Rennie occupied. I will be taking the role of Rennie uh, along with Kenny on the KNR show after the game tomorrow night. So looking forward to that. Uh, oh, and by the way, speaking of other programming notes, just before we came on uh, live with Winnipeg Sports Talk today, finished up another edition of the Lock Shop with Dustin Nielsen. We're all over our eight, week eight picks for the Circa Contest, our best bets. We have been on fuego as of late. So if you do like uh, sprinkling on the National Football League, I definitely suggest you check out the Lock Shop. And if you're listening on the podcast, it's simply going to Apple or Spotify, type in Lock Shop, give us a sub and join us for new episodes Tuesdays and Fridays every week free and right into your uh, into your inbox. I can't force you to make a bet, but all we can do is try to keep giving you winners, and there's been plenty of them as of late. Um, we will get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on, but before we move on from all of this conversation about the Winnipeg Jets, uh, I did want to get a little bit of feedback and reaction to last night's game. So, Remus, if you could tee up the coach uh, and we'll also hear from Eric Comrie in a minute. But um, as we normally do, be it's always interesting to hear uh, Paul Maurice's thoughts on his team's performance. And uh, last night after the uh, win against the Los Angeles Kings, and of course the first big win for Eric Comrie in his first start of the season, Coach Paul Maurice did speak to the media uh, before heading on the plane uh, to San Jose. In the first, and we were under pucks, and I thought we were really good in that first Um and then, you know, there's going to be an answer and a push by their team. So, but, but I like the way we played in the third. I thought we got back to how we played in the first. You know, Dubois faced a lot of heat heading into this season. And I'm looking at his numbers, you look at tonight's game, he just seems to be finding that consistency that I think he's been searching for. Yeah. What have you seen from him? Well, 
first, there may have been a, there was an overreaction, and we understand that, right? But lost in all this was his age and what he went through. I mean, that was a tough year. So then we have to respect what he did to, to, to get better, and he put in a good summer. He's faster. You can just see that on the ice, right? There's more speed there. But confidence is just such a huge part of any player's game, and I think he has it now, and it's earned. So I don't think he's necessarily been particularly lucky on that two-on-one. He's he's thinking he should have made that shot, right? So he and Kyle have something going on there. They're pretty dynamic with each other. Uh, and having somebody that he, he never really got a chance to learn about anybody because his game wasn't where it's at, and, and now we're just starting to see him, I think, develop. I, I, I've also got lots of time for a certain amount of inconsistency at his age. I don't. We haven't seen it yet this year. He had a tough night the other night, but I don't. I don't count that as inconsistency. It's a one-off, um, and he's just going to keep getting better and better. I mean, a center iceman that, that can move at that size—they're just so hard to come by. Kyle Connor just scored goal. Well, you know what? Um, it's an interesting first goal, though. Puck goes to the net on a bad angle with a guy that thinks he can beat a guy from that angle, and that sets the whole thing up because the shot has to get respected and he's on the post. So, having and I think I think Pierre Luc would have described himself almost more as a playmaker, and and I think that that's what he was really trying to show last year, where there were lots of pucks we wanted him to put to the net. And he was trying to make a play. So. At six goals, then he, he can't think of himself as just a playmaker, right? He's, he's shooting the puck now, too, which both of those guys, if you have two guys that want to shoot the puck on the line, they're going to get their chances. All right, there is head coach Paul Maurice uh, speaking after last night's game in particular about uh, the uh, dynamic duo that is uh, the engine right now for the Winnipeg Jets offense of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. Um, the other big story last night, which we touched on, was Eric Comrie getting a big win and really stepping up in the third period when he and the Winnipeg Jets were under fire. A very important first win for the young man that is the backup behind Connor Hellebuck and will be counted on to win some games when he starts. Uh, a very happy Eric Comrie, probably a relieved Eric Comrie, met the media afterwards his first win of the season last night. Feels good. I mean, uh, once again, it just it was accumulation of a lot of things, a lot of hard work and stuff went into that, and it's just uh, taking care of the details and the outcome was the outcome after the uh, process. How reminded that I, I forgot you're an L, you're an LA kid. So was it, <laughs> was it carrying added weight that you kind of did it at home? Uh, for sure. Let's just say I had a lot of tickets in the building tonight, so <laughs> I wasn't getting paid for this game. <laughs> played played for the love of the game tonight and. Uh, but it was a lot of fun having a lot of friends and family in the stands tonight. It meant a lot to me, and it uh, definitely gives you a little added boost. Can you tell us who's in there for you? Oh. Isn't that many, eh? My old goalie coach I grew up with since I was nine years old, James Jensen. Uh, my mom, my dad, my brother, my other brother Mike was in the building. His kid, uh, my fiance's parents, my fiance's sister, bunch of friends I have. Oh, I was, I mean, yeah, it, the list goes on and on. Justin Greer, a guy from Edmonton, came in town just randomly. It was just, it was, a lot of guys were in town. It was a lot of fun. You get the result that you want, but I'm curious of how you felt, right? You had all that preparation for all season, training camp, and then obviously knowing you get the start, so all the preparation leading into it, and then finally get it. Just, how'd you feel up there? I felt good. I mean, I felt good. I mean, the team was awesome tonight. Like, they played unbelievable. They were battling really hard. I mean, it really, 
really easy for myself. I mean, they did a really good job clearing clearing guys. I don't think one deflection tonight at all. I think it was all just let me see everything and makes a big difference. But for myself, I felt good. I mean, um, a lot of hard work went into that and a lot of preparation. So I'm just going to keep building on that and keep uh, hoping for more success. Uh, Eric Comrie, how do you not feel good for that guy after getting a big win in front of friends and family? And I absolutely love the line, playing for the love of the game, because, uh, yeah, that ticket bill for Mr. Comrie was significant last night, but I'm sure he wouldn't have it any other way. Getting his first start, his first win at the Staples Center, uh, not too far away from where he spent the uh, majority of his time growing up as a young hockey player. All right, we've got lots of things to get to. Um, hey, we've got over 500 people in here. We're not even at 200 likes. Let's get this to 250. And if we do, I will add in, not only will we give away a, we'll, we'll give away the hoodie, and we'll I'll also do an I Love Rye package with Canadian Club, which will include a bottle of the world-famous CC. Yeah, speaking of Canadian Club, great sponsor of ours, supporters of the Marble Race and Winnipeg Sports Talk and the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Next Saturday, when the Bombers host Montreal, you can get the great taste of CC throughout IG Field as well as uh, well, this weekend, Friday, on the way home from work, you might want to stop off and grab some Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And uh, again, a CC Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. And if we get to 250 likes, I will add another prize, second place. And what the heck, if we get to 250, third place. And again, you got to be in Winnipeg to pick these prizes up. Uh, we'll do a DQ cake from Nick and Nikki DQ. Haven't done one of those for a while. I know Nick won't mind if we uh, have an extra winner. So we'll do three prizes if we get to 250. Uh, so please do that. Do want to thank Not Autocorp. Cannot wait. Had a lot of fun with the Not guys at some of the Bomber games this year. I know they'll be ready to go on the 6th and most importantly on the 5th of December for what's turning out to be a real super Sunday for sports here in Winnipeg. Uh, but the Winnipeg Car Lab is open right now. Incredible new facility at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery doing tinting, striping, rims, as well as full vehicle wraps for your business. You can find them on all the socials at Winnipeg Car Lab uh, or pop down and see them in person at Not Auto Corp. And while you're there, if you're thinking about a new vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? All the incredible vehicles on the lot as well as they'll help you source and find the car of your dreams if it's not there right now. Uh, start shopping online at not.ca or see them in person over at Waverly and McGilvery. And I just mentioned uh, DQ Cake, if we get to 250. We're at 250. Nice work, everybody. Um, so, yeah, we've got the Nick and Nick and DQ. Now, you might be able to win one if you're third place in the marble race, uh, but you can always get the great taste of the DQ ice cream cake at any of the four Nick and Nicky locations, which are DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, the DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Fun way to support Winnipeg Sports Talk by supporting our sponsors. Maybe the best tasting way to do it as well. Uh, this weekend, stop by one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Maybe grab an ultimate grill burger. Maybe some chicken fingers, but definitely get on those blizzards. And congratulations to all the money that was raised yesterday with the Children's Miracle Treat Day with all the proceeds from blizzards going to a great, great cause. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you want to order a cake in advance. They'll have it ready for you at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. All right, people are fired up for the marble race today. Before we do that, 
Reem, let's take a look at what's happening tonight and heading into the weekend with our lines for Cool Bet Canada. Um, you know, I've been trying not to bury Horowitz myself too much. And obviously with a lot of the content we've been talking about, I've uh, been very much preoccupied on other things. But Reem, I've been telling you about the heater that I've been on. Um, you know, gave out a three-game successful parlay on the lock shop on Tuesday. Packers plus six last night for Thursday night football. Uh, did it again last night. Three wagers, Packers, a three-game hockey parlay, Flames, Carolina, and the Lightning by two. That came in at about five to one. And as I mentioned, feeling very optimistic about Eric Comrie, a live bet on the Jets after the second period, down to one at more than but plus 218. Jets come back and win. I am now into the top 25 in Canada of all cool betters and above 99.7% right now. I hope that I can keep this heater going on into week eight of the NFL. Yeah, I got to be honest, I was playing hockey and watching the Jets game, so I wasn't uh, too tuned in, but I did see a lot of people very upset about a uh, bad beat on the over-under line. Yeah, uh, yesterday. Dustin yesterday. Nielsen's one of those. That was addressed on the lock shop earlier today. Uh, yeah, 45 points. The number was anywhere between 50 and a half to 51 and a half. Uh, Packers had it on the goal line, a number of cracks. They didn't get in. And then the Cardinals just about got a touchdown late. Late pick, sealed the deal for Green Bay. Uh, they hand the Cardinals their first loss of the season and uh, tie them up at the top with just one loss. And we all remember that loss. You want to talk about overreactions. That was week one when the uh, Packers got embarrassed by the Saints. Since then, they arguably have been the best team in the NFC. Uh, before we get to the NFL, let's take a look at the CFL lines because, of course, the Bombers have been enjoying their bye week. Uh, our boy Dusty is going to be calling the game between the Elks and Ticats tonight on TSN. But before that, we've got Calgary at Ottawa Calgary laying 10 and a half on the road against the Red Blacks, who, of course, fired Marcel Desjardins earlier this week. Uh, the Ticats are six-point favorites in Edmonton to take on the struggling Elks. And then tomorrow, another doubleheader, 3 o'clock, BC at Toronto, Argos, three-point home favorites. And uh, for my money, I think the game I'm most interested to see this week, uh, it's the late game tomorrow, 6 p.m., Unfortunately, right at the same time as the Jets will be playing, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders going into Montreal. Alouettes, one and a half point favorites at home. Turn it over to the NFL. Some really interesting games coming up this weekend. Um, a game I'm most interested in. I can't, I'm on this. Check the lock shop, but I'll say I think this might be the game that the Detroit Lions finally get their win. I'm taking them plus three and a half. We've got them on the lock shop. Boosted odds partner parlay at plus seven and a half. But I don't mind the Lions on the money line, to be honest. I think they've been playing so hard for Dan Campbell. A win is going to come. I think it might be that weekend. Uh, Lions three and a half point home underdogs at home to the Eagles coming off that thrashing in Vegas at the hands of the Raiders last week. Another really interesting game, Tennessee. Uh, coming off some huge wins, beating the Bills, beating the Chiefs. They're still underdogs and getting just about three points. You're getting more than plus money and plus two and a half on the Titans, taking on the Colts in one of the other big games. Bengals have never been this big of a favorite on the road, maybe ever. Ten and a half going against the New York Jets without Zach Wilson. Some character named Mike White will be starting, and they traded for Joe Flacco this week. Uh, and a couple other big, big lines uh, the Rams, 15 and a half point favorites against the Houston Texans and the Bills Mafia 
off the bye week after that tough loss to Tennessee. They'll look to get back on track as two touchdown favorites, minus 14 against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, if you haven't already bet at Cool Bet, take advantage of a great offer from Winnipeg Sports Talk, a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit and you use the promo code WST to get that. It's all over there at coolbet.com. And again, check out the lock shop if you want some more analysis and discussion of the football games coming up this week. Uh, let's take a look at the hockey schedule for tonight. Of course, Jets off until tomorrow, uh, but we do have well, about a half dozen games tonight in the league, including the Blackhawks continuing to search for their first win of the season. They're taking on the Carolina Hurricanes as a plus 175 underdog. Uh, the Florida Panthers with their new coach, Andrew Brunette. We'll get to that in a minute. Interim coach taking over for Joel Quenville, who, of course, resigned yesterday. Uh, they're 7-0 and and a big, big favorite, minus 204, taking on the Detroit Red Wings. Columbus Blue Jackets, plus 156 road dog at MSG to take on the Rangers. Capitals, huge favorites. The Coyotes are so bad uh, minus 345 for the Caps, and even the puck line to win by two, only minus 120, a similar number to the Lightning last night, and well, the Lightning did what everyone expected them to do, and that was spank the Arizona Coyotes. Vegas has won a couple in a row. They're back at home after that win against, against Dallas with the LB, our gold pal Laurent Brassois in starting role, minus 222 favorites against the Ducks, and uh, we'll also have the Dallas Stars Taking on the Ottawa Senators. Star is a big home favorite at plus 192. And uh, the Jets-Sharks game is already up on the board. Uh, Jets minus 111. Sharks minus 105. Very close to a pick'em. All the odds available for you at coolbet.com. Lots to to sprinkle on this weekend, Remo, between the CFL with everyone in action except the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a busy, busy slate of games in the NFL, and of course, uh, lots going on in the National Hockey League as we uh, kind of find out more about what these teams really are through the first 10 games. Yeah, I think we're looking at undefeated teams. Carolina looking really strong. I did see an alert that Crosby might return for the Penguins. Um, you know, it's early. Edmonton uh, has been looking looking great. So, I mean, you can pull up the standings, and I can just do that right here. Yeah, you know, Florida 7-0. How about Buffalo, Huss, winning in overtime yesterday? The Sabres Mafia, never mind the Bills. Yes. It's a Sabres town again. Buffalo, yeah, beating Anaheim. Uh, they're 5-1-1 now. I, mean, I love so, it. Yeah, Detroit 5-4-1. Tough, tough uh, stretch over the Coyotes. They go to Tampa, get spanked last night. Now they have to play against Washington Ovi. On an absolute tear for goals, Washington's, you know, they haven't lost in regulation. And who am I also am I missing? The Blues continue to roll. I know uh, Jordan Bennington got into it yesterday with who? Uh, Kadri? Was that going on? And yeah, Bennington's said, such a knucklehead that stick swinging. I yeah. mean, total drama queen. I'm not a Bennington fan. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, I know there's a lot of people that hate Naz Kadri, but. Uh, I mean, that was all Biddington last night, and uh, Kadri said as much afterwards. I'm just taking a quick look at this lineup of the Buffalo Sabres. Like, Victor Olofsson, you don't have him in fantasy? I, Victor Olofsson, he's playing on the second line. Top line is Jeff Skinner, Dylan Cousins, who I think is a really exciting young player and is really rising to the occasion right now with Jack Eichel destined to be somewhere else, and Vinny Henestroza. 
the uh, former Coyote playing first line minutes right now. Uh, power play as well with Skinner, Tage Thompson, Aspen, Dalin, and Victor Olvison. Olvison's in on the second line with Tage Thompson and Rasmus Abs- um, uh, Asplund. And then a number of guys that had sort of been left for dead. Drake Kajula, Gergensens, Kyle Poso, and Anders Bjork, who was a Red Wing last year, R2, Rotsalainen, and John Hayden. Not a lot of household names, but I'll tell you what, this team is really playing for their new head coach. And uh, I know Jack Eichel's not a part of it anymore, or won't be, but they're not waiting for the return to come back from Jack Eichel. And uh, to me, this is one of the great stories of the uh, early NHL season the Sabres, given what few fans are still supporting them and showing them up at the rink, maybe some reason to be excited about going forward. Yeah, and we were laugh- We laughed at their goaltending, Craig Anderson and Dustin Tokarski, and uh, they've been they've been pretty good. Prove prove me wrong. I had uh, the Ducks and some some Ducks in my DraftKings lineup. I like what I've seen from them, but uh, didn't have didn't have the right players and just just missed it, missed in our contest. Yeah, and no doubt. All right. Speaking of contest, Remus, let's uh, let's start getting people loaded up for the marble race. Um, if you are new here, uh, we have a fun marble race, and because everyone fired up the likes, we got to two seventy. I would love to get to three hundred personally. We do have almost five hundred people in here, so if you would be so kind as to just simply click that thumbs up, that would be really cool. But I did say we wanted to get to two fifty. Uh, so we've got to 250 today. So we've got three prizes. First place will be a Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club co-branded hoodie. Second prize will be a CC I Love Rye package, which will include a bottle of Canadian Club. And third place will get you an ice cream cake from any one of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. Uh, I guess we usually just do exclamation mark marbles, Reem. Is that going to be our uh, our command for yeah, people in the chat? P- people want me to do something else. Um, relating to a quote that I made in an athletic article yesterday, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. So I love the idea. Uh, but yeah, let's keep it normal. Uh, is it up? Don't do it yet. No, Basically, don't do, folks, don't type it in. Wait till we say, please, please don't, don't spam the chat. And if anyone, I swear, well, remember anyone, what happened to Oleg yeah, last remember, week? Yeah. I'm not afraid to throw people over the top rope. So, uh, if anyone <laughs> out there, thinks they can spam our chat by writing the code over and over you're you're toast i'll throw you out yeah. and you won't get yeah, any giveaway royal rumble style over the top rope onto the concrete floor so, and out of the marble race so uh let's exactly matt michael don't get olegged um so we're gonna get this if you want to put in radio it's dead you can do that as well however that will not end up in the marble race and again folks if you're watching from outside of the area um you know we've got all these prizes locally to be picked up so uh definitely enjoy the marble race uh but please locals locals only as they say because uh that's who we're going to get the prizes to you'll be picking up the uh, cake at any one of the four nick and dicky dqs and i will arrange a pickup for both the hoodie and the i love rye package all right an entry to the marble race raffle has started for viewers Use exclamation mark marbles to enter. We'll give everyone about five minutes to get that in. We'll grab everyone. And uh, I mean, this could be 
very well, Remus, the biggest marble race we've ever done. Uh, can the computer handle no. that if we have that many it's, marbles? It's going to be rough. Um, I'm going to have to get a new graphics card. So if anyone knows, the only thing is they're so hard to find. And when they do become available, they get scooped up immediately because everyone's using them to b- mine Bitcoin. You familiar with uh, mining Bitcoin? <laughs> Uh, so uh, you know to, what? Yeah. I wasn't, but uh, I saw Willie J, uh, our he guy, Stephen Willie Beeman, tweeting about getting on the crypto train. So we may have to have a crypto segment with Willie in addition to a yeah. weather segment, not to mention a segment about killing QBs and being the leader of the best defense that we've seen in the CFL yeah. in about 50 years. Actually, while we wait us, I do have some packs of uh, Tim Horton's hockey carts. Should we, should we do a little Friday? Yeah. Yeah, let's do let's do an opening. I actually haven't seen the cards yet. I haven't been there, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, so yes, exclamation mark marbles. Yeah. If you want to be in the race, we'll open a couple packs. And while you do that, I will say uh, some more great news. I, I mentioned the Super Sunday coming up on December 5th with the West Final. When we began this week, the Bomber game was going to be at 3.30 and the Jets-Leafs game downtown was going to be at 6 o'clock. Big applause. Applause for everyone that made this happen. I think the Jets were integral in getting their home game moved from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. And uh, I think the Bombers work with TSN and the CFL to move their game up half an hour to start at 3. So now instead of having an overlap, we should have about an hour between the two games for folks to get back home, to get to a watering hole, or in my case, and I know many of you, we're going to double up and hope to see a real super Saturday with two big wins. And what would be, what could possibly be better than that? Than the Bombers beating whoever is the last team standing in the West to come to Winnipeg to make it to the Great Cup to try to hashtag defend the Cup. And then chasing that with a win over the Toronto Maple Leafs on national television live from Canada Life Center. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Counting down the days for that. I know Bomber fans are. Um, you know, the, I do have some work for the Bombers to do in the meantime, but essentially the countdown is on to what could be one of the coolest sports days for Winnipeg sports fans in a long, long time. And yes, we're going to have to deal with a uh, two games at the same time next week. Hopefully in future schedules, that won't be an issue, uh, but definitely have to commend everyone uh, that worked behind the scenes to, uh, I think, have a bit better of a schedule for Winnipeg fans so they can support both of our teams on what's going to be a really, really special day here in the peg for both the Bombers and the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. All right. No, it's all, all you. Marbles. Stop. You got to take more of the credit. You didn't take any credit. It was all you. You put out the video. You said, who do we have to send angry emails to? We put the video out. It got over 10,000 views on Twitter. Everyone said, wow, Hustler, you're making way too much sense here. And uh, yes, the leagues, the leagues heard. The teams, well, the local teams heard. I appreciate heard. that. It was I all you. That. It was but all you. Got record, the ball rolling. For the record, the I wasn't even rolling. complaining about the fifth. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no guarantees of who was going to be in that playoff game. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I was rubbed the wrong way by, um, you know, you. someone that supports both teams to have to choose between the Jets and the Bombers playing at home at the same time. I thought was ridiculous, but I didn't have any issue on the fifth. There's no way to predict who's going to be in that game. That is going to happen. But... I'm really pumped to see them, I think, listening to fans and, and realizing that there is a way to make things better for the paying customer. And I'll tell you what, I think both of these teams are going to have more paying customers because of the moves that they've made. So good work to everyone behind the scenes that made that happen. Uh, all right, Remo, 
Hey, geez, 296. We're just about up to, up to 300. That's phenomenal, everyone. Thank you very much. And don't forget uh, to win. You got to be subscribed. So mm. make sure you've hit that red subscribe button before we get yeah. in to the epic marble race. All right, Remo, show off these uh, Tim Hortons cards yeah. before we do the uh, do, before we do the marble yeah, race. Before we Let's do get the, the race. card cam. This is your last chance here to see uh, <laughs> to see what we're dealing with. So I did go to Tim Hortons. I wasn't like the Earl of uh, Eli who like went and got a hundred. Earl, like, shout out to the Earl. He got you want to talk about the crack pack? Dusty, Eric, and the guys in Edmonton, we started our, our hockey card crew last year during the pandemic called the crack pack. They were so fired up for these cards. But as I said, no one was yeah. fired up as the Earl who tweeted us a picture of his order at Tim's, which was a double-double and 100 packs of these trading cards. Uh, I do like the card cam, though, Remus. Uh, let's yeah. uh, let's do a quick little opening before we get to All the right. marbles. I got to say, opening these cards, man, it's so hard. Like your hands get sweaty. Oh, Good yeah, thing. it I, seems really difficult. My nails like haven't almost been impossible. Trimmed. My nails haven't been trimmed properly. Okay, let's open this. Let's see what we're dealing with here. And so, what did Dusty say the the top one was? It was like uh, I don't recall, but it was. Well, the, remember last year there yeah. was the special card that had the three guys on it. It's the yeah. same type of card this year, but I think there's one special player from each team. I think Hellebuck's the guy from the Jets. Yeah. So. Uh, so anyways, let's check it out. Who oh, do we got? We got Johnny Tavares. Common. <laughs> yeah, that's a cut. This is the one thing I hate about cards. It's like you get a pack. You just want the one insert. You don't care about the, the commons. It sucks. <laughs> not, not, with the, not with the Tim's oh, cards, though. Canvas. Mcmcdavid. Is that good? Connor McDavid. Canvas. And then, and then and Anthony, Anthony Mantha. Mantha. Like, McDavid yeah, Canvas nice. is good. Do I put that in a sleeve or what? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, open up one more. Okay, and then, do, we'll, uh, and then one, we'll do the marbles. I'll do one more. I'll do one more. Okay. And then we'll do the mar- and then I'll stop it. So this is your last call to do exclamation marbles. People yeah, are saying, anyone anyone else in the chat get uh, get on the crack pack train? Have you uh, been hitting up these Tim yeah. Hortons cards? I do want to get a guy from a card shop on sometime on one of the slower days just to talk more about what's well, happened in the uh, upper deck. Find out what the jet yeah. stories are. Well, yeah, you're right. Upper deck just renewed that deal. Yeah, they just renewed the deal, and they did in- introduce NFTs. I was kind of hoping at Dapper Labs, who does NBA Top Shot and is going to be doing NFL. I was going to do some hockey ones, but uh, we won't be having that. But I'm happy for Upper Deck that it didn't go to Fanatics because uh, I think a lot of people Definitely. were upset when Fanatics stole uh, MLB from Tops. We got Drew Doughty, who didn't play last night. A lot of people talking about my my nails here and my arm hair. Yeah, we're getting we're getting a a, a Manny Petty sponsor now just because yeah. of this segment that if we just put on YouTube. If you're today. in the if you're in the chat, yeah, that's what the whole <laughs> chat is now. We got a and, and I'm not holding the cards correctly. Oh, Leah's Pedersen Ruby. Oh, is that, is that good, Ruby? I think so. I think so. It's another one of those uh, another one of those cool inserts. Yeah, there you go. And the other one is oh, Helly. There we Helly! go. We got a jet. Yeah, I'll take it. Nice pad setup. There you go. Man, those are nice cards. Those are really, they're, really they're nice upper deck, cards. so they're really nice. Yeah, and I remember getting McDonald's cards, but uh, I I like these. So listen, it's great that you guys all are getting those uh, Tim Hortons cards. But you know what? I have the big Stan Young Guns from the opening <laughs> last week. Pick this one up. My first ever eBay purchase. Wanted to make sure I didn't miss the boat on the Big Stan rookie card because it was in that extended uh, set, which I don't think many people had. It was pretty hard to find, uh, but we've got it. All right, folks, it's just about that time. We've got three prizes in today's marble race. Michael Remus has closed the marble race. We're going to get everyone in. Um, Hopefully the computer will be able to handle the amount of marbles we're throwing in the race today, but we appreciate everybody entering. If you haven't entered, 
make sure you've hit that red subscribe button um, because uh, we want to have the uh, prizes go to our uh, friends that are with us on a regular basis or occasionally, as long as they're here and here in Winnipeg as subscribers of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And if you're listening on the pod right now and you made it to the end, um, if you ever have the opportunity to jump into YouTube, even just for the last half hour of Friday's show, we always have a lot of fun doing this. The, uh, the marble race has turned out to be incredibly popular And again, big thanks to Canadian Club for the prizes that they have provided for us, including the uh, custom WST hoodies, along with the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Canadian Club. So first prize is going to be one of the hoodies. Second prize is going to be an I Love Rye package. Shout out to Ryan Fox, who won last week's. Just got that dropped off. He's got that ready for the next bomber tailgate with his pals. Uh, and then third prize in today's marble race will be a delicious ice cream cake from Nick and Nikki DQ. Uh, all right, Kamish, how are we looking? I'm just loading up the program here, and let me. So I've done. I after last week's show, I did a bunch of uh, settings changes to my computer to make sure they could handle. I've been been tipped off that maybe graphics cards are available. I'll I'll go buy one like right now, so I can do it on stream, but. We'll do this. I don't know if there's a Halloween-themed race. I was kind of hoping that there was. Um, I can do... Uh, I don't know. I just know the names here. Marble. I think that one's... We'll do... Should we do Taking Flight? That sounds like a fun one. And Take we, Flight. Jets-themed. If we don't jets have anything spooky, I thought there might be like a special Halloween no, There's House of like House that. of Pain, Twisted Toothpick. Pixels Death Alley. <laughs> Ooh, that that sounds like there's a lot of eliminations on that yeah, one. Yeah, Fear of Heights. They're all good. Shattered Dreams. Uh, oh, Shattered Dreams. Is that a tribute to Gold Dust? That was Gold Dust's uh, finishing. Was that his finishing? Shattered no. Dreams. I'll I'll stick with uh, taking Gold Dust. I'll stick with this one. So I got we got 142 people, and this is a record. Um, and I will load the names. Let me clear load. And uh, yes, if you're listening on the podcast, I don't know how this comes over radio. Oh, Haunted Hills is, there is a ha- great one. Lisa Lockhart is saying. Did you Ooh. already pick the course? Uh, Haunted Hills. Haunted she's Hills sounds. She's familiar with the things? Obviously. She said, oh my God, it's Marbles on Stream. Haunted Hills is a great one. That certainly sounds like a Halloween theme. So uh, I don't see, you can see. I don't see Haunted Hills. I don't have an answer for that. Okay. Lisa, we'll look at that. We'll try and do that next one. We'll maybe look into a few more uh, a few more courses. But Yeah, uh, I don't see that one. But yeah, let's get this going. Shout out oh, to everyone. That's... I found Haunted Hills. Done. Found it. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Halloween edition of the Marble Race brought to you by, uh, well, Canadian Club, certainly one of our sponsors with all the great prizes, a great sponsor of ours, and a big shout out to uh, Nick over at Nick and Nicky DQ. Uh, and again, Folks, if you are one of the top three and you come through, um, the best way to do it is hit us up with a DM on uh, Twitter or even Instagram. We'll get your details and uh, top two prizes. I'll make arrangements to meet up with you. 
And for the third one, we'll just uh, get your details, get you in touch with Nick and uh, set your cake up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right. Thanks to everyone that has been with us. Great show today. And thanks to everyone that's hung around. Um, a lot of heavy stuff we had to talk about for the first hour or so. Uh, but a great game last night. Exciting weekend coming up. Um, but um, a fun way to finish up what's been a pretty tough week, I think, for a lot of people around here and certainly people following the Winnipeg Jets. So a little Halloween action. Shout out to Lisa for the heads up on the Haunted Hills. I'm looking forward to this, Remus. Uh, Commissioner, get her going whenever you're ready. I'm hitting go. We'll see. Let me know how it's coming out on the stream, but we'll see. So I guess they're in this cauldron here. Uh, yeah. That's a witch's cauldron. Um. But it's coming out. Yeah, that let me just do this, do some quick. I'm gonna minimize you off the thing though. And they're going down. What are they going down this thing here? Justin F, Derek Schmidt, Miller Time, Doug Zapp, Krugs, Owen Catelli all at the start. But uh, I mean, it is a very, very packed, packed group. 100. Although Derek Schmidt. What's going on here? He's way, way ahead now. Is, is there some sort of uh How they're are they, flying? They're this flying. is wild. Where did they go? I'm not sure where they went, but oh, they died. Uh, Miller nope. Time 1980. I think that was an elimination. That was they an didn't elimination. Make it through. Taylor is in first place. Taylor. Miller Time 1980. Waiters 27. A lot of our regs here doing pretty well. Uh, but it seems like Miller Time, at least according to the leader. Is still in first, although now major changes, tons. Oh, this has got a great call. Lisa Lockhart, you're the best. Great suggestion on this course. Amazing for Halloween. All right, we've got um, a lot coming on. It seems like Owen Catelli and Jet Oil Tom are sort of stuck there. We do see the end. They're coming through the haunted, it's like a haunted mansion or something like that. Yeah. Uh, BA split, Miller time. Miller Time 1980 still, it says, is in first place right now. But I think anything can really happen, considering how wild this uh, wild this, this one looks. This is insane. And great, and great sound effects, too. I'm not sure whether those are coming out. Donna, Chris rocks there. Oh, man, it's a new leader every two seconds. Can't even keep track. The yeah. Halloween edition of the Marble Race is absolutely living up to uh, living man. up to the excitement and anticipation. I can't keep track of all this. There's too no, many. Neither, neither can I. Who's in but first? Justin Fung? Well, I think this is also could potentially be the closest one that we've ever had by the time this all gets done. Oh, there's Doug Zapp. Oh, that was Doug Zapp, the winner. Miller Time, 1980, and. Third place, Rose de Blair. That was oh, that Mark was wild. A. Matt, Mark, that was that had to have been like a one one hundredth of a second. Um, the uh, the difference. Everyone else coming down. Wow, an exhilarator. Donnie Boy, Doug Zap, Miller Time, and Rose de Blair. Congratulations, Doug Zap. We got a hoodie for you. Miller Time, nineteen eighty. We've got the I Love Rye package, including a bottle of CC for you. And Rose de Blair, we've got a delicious Dairy Queen ice cream cake from any one of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations for you. Uh, winners, 
Hit us up with your details. Uh, we'll make arrangements to uh, hook up with you and make the exchange. And uh, Rolls will put you in touch with Nick and Nikki, let you know how to pick up your cake. Yeah, look how tight wow. it was in between um, second and fourth. Oh, wow. And, and you like know what? Less than okay. a second. Executive decision here. Yeah. I'm looking. <laughs> oh, remember it's, I said Rolls and Mark? Exactly. It was a tie. I, Mark, executive decision. We're getting you a cake too. We are getting you a, a, a cake too. I will talk to uh, I will talk to Nick. I will let him know the circumstances surrounding this and a dead heat down to the thousandth of a second. I don't know. I don't know how they decided that Mark was fourth and Rolls was third. They're but uh, anyways, both you guys will get a cake for you, thanks to the generosity of our great sponsor. Nick and Nikki. And of course, thanks to Canadian Club. A CC might go well with the weekend, folks. It is Friday, of course. Uh, get Jet game tomorrow night. Got lots of CFL football today and tomorrow and a full slate of NFL action on Sunday. And then my Chiefs plan on Monday night, hopefully a get-right game against the Giants. And then the Jets back home to start the homestand on Tuesday. Uh, in the midst of all of that, we certainly will be very closely following the uh, latest developments as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets and Kevin Shovel Day Off. Um, if you missed that, if you've come on sort of late, the first hour of the program was pretty much dedicated to that topic, along with Murata Tesh, who joined us. Uh, and then we did get to the game and everything else and had a little bit of fun in the afternoon. Um, bottom line is, we appreciate everyone being here. This has been a huge show for us. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Thanks to everyone that gave us the thumbs up. And thanks to everyone that joined us here talking about um, all, all things Winnipeg Jets and in particular, the biggest story in the hockey world. More fallout from the Chicago Blackhawks report and the incredible bravery and courage of Kyle Beach. I uh, want to thank Canadian Club again and Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of us, as well as the prizes for the marble race. Uh, the gang over at Not Auto Corp. Little Brown Jug. Again, we were there last night. Amazing, amazing spot. Pop down there sometime on the weekend over on William Avenue. Boston Pizza, another great spot to get together to watch the game with friends. Uh, Princess Auto. You can shop online 24-7 over at princessauto.com. Uh, the OGs, number one. Really like family. Royal Sports with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, Manitoba Battery and Culligan Water. So many great local family-owned businesses supporting us and uh, helping us bring this con uh, content to you Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. live on YouTube and a little later on in the afternoon after 3 on your podcast. Folks, uh, what a week it's been. Um, hopefully, it'll be a more positive week around these parts going into next week. In the meantime, uh, we'll stay pay close attention. Uh, I'll probably have more to say with the latest developments when I join Ken Weeb tomorrow after the game on the Kenny and Rennie show. Make sure to check that out on YouTube. And before the game tomorrow, jump it on with Kelly Moore and the CJOB pre-game show before a 6 o'clock puck drop for Winnipeg Jets hockey between the Jets and the San Jose Sharks. Thanks again to all the sponsors. Thanks to everyone for being here today. All the support. Congratulations to the winners. Make sure you hit us up so we can get you your prizes. And other than that, folks, have a safe, fun Halloween and we'll see you on Monday to kick off another week and another month on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great one. Oh my god! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. Thank you.